0: This is Tommy's Outdoors 118. Folks, the spring is coming and the summer is going to be here soon. Sooner than you think. And this is is the time where ticks becoming more active. Well, ticks are active actually the whole year, uh, but they're more active in the warm months. And also we are more active. We tend to go more hiking and fishing and spending time in the outdoors. And, uh, you know, even uh, people, some people are just sticking to the paths where they less uh, exposed to ticks. But some of us, you know, hunters and anglers, we are by very definition bushwhacking and going off the beaten track. And these, these, these are people who are especially uh, exposed and vulnerable to tick-borne diseases and uh, to tick bites. Um, so it's been probably almost two years since we had an episode about ticks and, uh, and, and protection, how to protect yourself from ticks. And so I thought that this is a great time to kind of do the refresher on this. And so today with us is the tick terminator, Brian Anderson. Brian dedicated his uh, work to protect outdoors people, hunters and anglers, hikers, uh, but also outdoors workers, farmers, anyone who, um, you know, uh, is at risk of uh, getting a tick bite. So um, before I, I go any further with this introduction, I want to address one thing that some of you might ask. Um, since Brian is based in the US and majority of my listeners is based in Europe, you might wonder like well, how relevant that everything that you're going to talk about in this podcast is for European listeners. And the answer is very relevant. So, in fact, there are two different uh, species of ticks. In Europe, it's castor bean tick, uh, Ixodis ricinus, and in the USA, uh, black-legged tick, Ixodes uh, scapularis, I think. Um, for all intense purposes, that's essentially the same tick. They look the same, they behave the same. Um, you can get Lyme disease, all the same Lyme disease from both of them. And even if you look at uh, scientific papers, peer-reviewed scientific papers about ticks and tick-borne diseases, both of those ticks are essentially, uh, you know, uh, like in one breath. Uh, uh, people mentioning them in one breath. So it's for all intents purposes, all the same, same tick. It looks the same, behaves the same, both in Europe and in the USA. So everything that we say here in this podcast is relevant both for uh, European listeners as well as American listeners. Um, the podcast is really two parts. Uh, in part one, we talk about Lyme disease, um, how to identify Lyme disease, what to do if you have Lyme disease. And we also talk about ticks and tick biology and species of ticks and how they behave and you know how um, their behavior might mean that you let more or less... Um, um, prone to get a uh, tick bite. In the second part of the podcast, we go really deep into protection against tick bites. And, and, you know, I obviously always encourage you to listen to the entire episode to the very end, but especially in this episode, because towards the very end are really some nuggets of information how to protect yourself from tick bites. It's, it's, a, it's a very uh, timely episode. And, it, you know, anyone who spends time outdoors uh, should listen to it, because um, we also explore a little bit uh, why Lyme disease and, and and tick bites are becoming so such a big issue uh, over the last you know 20, thirty years, why we haven't heard that much about it before. We dive into that subject as well. Um, so uh, I would also encourage you to go and visit Brian's website, the TickTerminator.com it is absolute mine of information about ticks, how to protect yourself from ticks, about Lyme disease, what to do you know, when you get a Lyme disease, how to remove ticks, all this stuff. Uh, there's also a shop uh, where you can buy um, products to protect yourself from ticks. I understand that my European listeners might have some problems in, in getting these items shipped from the US, uh, but you can always find equivalents uh, in Europe. Uh, but my US-based listeners, and I know there's like 20% of you out there, uh, of all my listeners are from the US. You can just go to tickterminator.com and buy products off uh, Brian's shop directly. So I uh, really encourage you to listen to this episode. Uh, a lot of knowledge and I hope you will uh, be safe from ticks and from Lyme disease. This is really no joke. Um, so yeah, listen to that episode. And as always, uh, before I let you go, if you want to support the podcast, um, please leave the rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Give me a five-star rating. You can write a review on Apple as well. That's very helpful. And if you want to help me personally, you can buy me a coffee. Buymeacoffee.com slash Tommy Southdoors. The link in the description of the show. Uh, Go in there. uh, Buy me a coffee. It's greatly appreciated. I'm editing those episodes for you very early uh, in the morning or very late at night. Um, So, you know, coffee is helpful. So uh, thanks in advance if you decide to um, support me that way. And now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, without delaying that any further, Brian Anderson and the Tick Terminator. Anderson, the Tick Terminator. Welcome to the show, sir.
1: Glad to be here, Tommy. I've been looking forward to this, that's for sure.
0: That's good. That's good. Listen, um, before before we uh, before we start, and we're going to jump into the uh, discussion about ticks, and uh, we go into the thicket full of ticks. Um, you're based in the in a, in a US, right? In the eastern US.
1: Correct. Michigan, actually. So it's kind of north-central.
0: Michigan, yeah. Yep. So, so, so listen, since the, you know, like a, uh, about two thirds of the audience of this podcast is based in Europe, English speaking Europe, uh, Ireland, UK mainly, tell us, um, how relevant is what we're gonna talk today to European listeners? So, how different, uh, different are takes between Europe and the, and the United States? Are there similar? Or are there different? Well,
1: there, there are some similarities, yeah. Um, and I've been looking into that because obviously I'm from the States here, but uh, looking in European and, and uh, yeah, they, they have the problems there too. I mean, you, when you have 800 species worldwide, I mean, they're almost all over the place and uh, they're not going away anytime soon. But yeah, they, they definitely have them in Europe too. I mean, uh, they're, you know, in the in the in environments, you know, that are tick habitats. Uh, like, I mean, hey, guys are out walking, backpacking camping, you know, hunting, and uh, ticks-like uh, areas where there's moisture, okay? They're going to be more in uh, grasslands, if you want to say. Uh, than they, they're never going to be out in the middle of a, of a pavement, okay? they it bothers them, you know? Uh, so they're going to be in, in, in areas like that. And uh, I tell people, I mean, to, one way to avoid them is to stay on trails, stay on paths. Uh, when you're walking in the in the grass, that's when uh, they can get you.
0: I was lo- I was looking into that as well, and it, and it seems like there there are uh, you know there the biology of ticks is pretty similar all over the world. So um, and you know I I, I gotta say that uh, products for tick protection you know when I'm go out hunting or or, or hiking uh, I was buying from the U S. So uh, you know permethrin and all that because I I couldn't get them. Uh, where i live listen okay we get into all that first things first brian how did that start that you ended up professionally protecting people from ticks you know fighting ticks that you are a professional tick terminator how how did that start it
1: well you, you gotta be a little strange you gotta be a little weird you gotta have kind of a uh, a unique fascination with these little blood-sucking varmints that we all hate you know and i have since i was a little kid I remember visiting my grandparents when I was a kid even, you know. And uh, at that time, you know, uh, we didn't have them where I lived at that time. But we would go to visit my grandparents by 500 miles. They were in a very wooded area, you know, very rural area in the woods. And they had ticks there. And to me, being a little kid, it, it was kind of fascinating, actually. You know, because this ticks are so like... Uh, Uh, secretive, okay? You can't even hardly feel them when they're crawling on your skin, all right? Uh, And um, they would get stuck to us. And and at night, when I was a little kid, you know, like five, six years old, we would play in the woods, and we'd get ticks, and my mom would pick them off us at night. And I thought it was just kind of humorous, you know what I mean? It was funny, you know, because a mosquito, you can tell when it's crawling on you, and you can feel it when they bite you, but a tick, you don't. So mama would do a tick check, which is very important to do, doing tick checks every day when you're in tick environments. So that's kind of where I started when I was a kid. It eventually, you know, progressed even, you know, a little more a number of years ago. Uh, my wife, who was just deathly afraid of them, well, like we all are, but she was fanatically afraid of them. And uh, I was trying to learn more about them. Uh I'd had different experiences over the years with them, and uh I was trying to learn, how can I keep these off from us? How can I keep them uh, ticks from, from biting us? And I was starting to learn a little more about them. I did a lot of research online. I spent hundreds of hours. And then I was hearing more, more and more about Lyme disease. I have a buddy who almost died from Lyme disease, which is the worst tick-borne disease that you could probably get. And so then I bumped into some really unique repellents uh, in, in part of my research. and. Uh, I can get into that too, but it's it's very... Keeping them off you is, is the most important thing because I was thinking, I didn't want to bring them home. But, hey, if you can keep them off so you don't bring them home, that's the best thing. And there's some talents that, that actually help you do that.
0: Right, right. So so it was like a f- fascination from the early days that you turned into a business.
1: Yeah. And back in the days, we never had a problem with Lyme disease. Uh, Lyme disease is... Fairly new to being a problem. I mean, it's been around for quite some time, but nowadays we've seen more of a issues with it. When I was a little kid, you know, uh, you know, long time ago, the ticks were just a nuisance, but now they're a nuisance with a, a potential problem of of uh, having real issues with them.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm glad you said that because that's that's one of the things that I, I um, you know, observed and. Uh, you know, even I, I, I think like episode fifty-five. I already recorded ep- episode like uh, probably three years at this time about uh, about ticks, and, and and that was something that um, I also was was wondering back then, and I still wondering like. And now you said it like back in the days, it, you didn't you didn't hear about it, right? If the like, like a my my parents and my grandparents who were farmers, if you told them that the tick is like a problem, they would laugh at you. That wasn't it. It wasn't a thing. So I, I, just, I just wonder, like, whether just people were were not aware, and um, you know, information was not spreading that easily, and people didn't know. They, they thought like you know, someone got lazy, and that's it. Or, or is it something in the environment, or is it something in in us? You know, like a like a uh, general state of health of humans uh, deteriorated, where the Lyme disease can get hold easier. What's your, what's your take on this?
1: Well. Partly is that uh, ticks have expanded. They've grown a lot more in their pop- population in, in, as the decades have been progressing. So uh, there may not have been as many back then. So the more you have, the more problems you're going to have with them. And then uh, maybe they're, see, ticks, maybe I should get in the lifestyle, a life cycle of them, but ticks get their tick-borne diseases from a host, okay? And maybe there's more of those hosts, you know, in, in the United States, they get them from uh, hosts like uh, a white-footed mouse, okay? And in Europe, they also get them from mice, but they get them from, they say, from, from uh, blackbirds and pheasants and things like that. Uh, where they're not born with the disease, they get it from their first host, and then they carry it for the rest of their life. So uh, maybe those hosts are even more plentiful now, too. Some people blame it on global warming that ticks have been able to thrive even more.
0: Yeah, I, I, I heard that too, that the winters are not that harsh. Um, you know, I, I live in Ireland for for many, many years, but I, I'm, I, I originally come from Poland. And, um, you know, like we used to have like a pretty harsh, you know, it, it I wouldn't classify that as harsh, you know, but minus 10 Celsius was like a regular thing in the winter. And this is not something that is happening anymore. Um, and, and again, there's more ticks. So some people are blaming that on, like you said, uh, warming of the climate, lack of a, a cold winters, um, but also exp- you know, maybe the, there's more hosts. And this is an interesting point, because many people are blaming deer, right? And um, I know that in the United States, there's more white-tailed deer now than it ever was. And for example, in Ireland, um, and I believe in the UK as well, there's a, there's also a lot of deer mainly because they don't have any natural predators and um, there's, you know, uh, only hunters control them. So people often say, oh, there's so many deer and sheep and all that. But that's not really, they're, they're, they're can you explain that, um, how, why not? deer are not necessarily the ones to blame for more ticks?
1: Well, they don't really start off on deer. They usually end their life on the deer, actually, is what happens because, oh, let me get into the life cycle. Because yeah, yeah, sure. The way it works for ticks is, is a female tick give, gives birth to anywhere between 1,000 to 5,000 little eggs at a time. It takes her, you know, several days to do that. And in, in, in the U.S., it's done probably in, in the summertime, okay? After a couple of weeks, uh, they, they hatch out of those eggs, and then they start looking, you know, like a newborn baby. Now they're looking for something to eat. And since they're right on the ground, the forest floor, the closest thing to them is something that's going to be right on the ground. I mean, it's going to be like a, a, a little mouse uh, or maybe some bird that's you know that's pecking down there, but it's usually a little mouse. And they get on that mouse, they start sucking the blood out of it, and the germs from that mouse or from their first host is what gives them any kind of tick-borne disease. So, because ticks only eat one thing, and that's blood. That's it. So what happens is that after they eat that, eat that blood, they, you know, for several days, they get off, and then they molt into their next series, which is going to be the, the nip series, the, the next spring, because I know you guys have, you know, the winters similar to ours. Uh, but anyways, they molt into that. They come out the next uh, spring as, as about the size of a poppy seed, which is very, very tiny. And had they gotten in some kind of tick-borne disease the summer before when they were just first born, uh, they're going to have it for the rest of their life. So a lot of times, those little tiny ticks of the size of poppy seeds are really—they're just as lethal as a full-grown adult.
0: The they're called, the, they called—they the, called nymph, are they?
1: They're called a nymph tick, yeah.
0: Nymph tick. Okay, okay. And and tell me because there's there's interesting thing that they they don't born uh, carrying any of the pathogens of Lyme disease, even if they're being born from the female that is already uh have a you know a bacteria that that causes lyme disease is that correct
1: correct yeah they are not born with any diseases they are disease free when they are born
0: okay all right so so let's continue on the on the life cycle so they're say so they're they're born disease free and and ideally they continue that way and if they're gonna get you at whatever stage and they're disease free you're good to go you just remove the tick and you move on but that not always happens so already at that stage that you're discussing right now that they're those niptics or those nymphs they already might be um carrying the disease correct
1: yeah and the problem with them at that stage is they're like i say the size of a poppy seed they are so small you can hardly even see them uh you could be out hiking and backpacking and uh, uh get one on your shoelace and you wouldn't even hardly see it so that's why i tell people Protection is so important. They say that uh, a, a real big majority of people who get tick-borne diseases get them from that little uh, tiny tick that they didn't even know they got bit. So anyways, that tick bites something. You know, It could be us. It could be some little varmint, you know, little small animals, and they suck the blood out for a couple days. Then they drop off. Then they molt into the next series, that fall, that winter, come out the next spring as an adult. And then as an adult, they look for something else. It could be us. Uh, could be some little little varmint, and two maybe a deer. And let's say they get on the deer, and then the then the ticks mate, the male and the female, and then uh, they ride the deer out for the for the rest of the season, the winter, and come out in the spring. And then the male gets off and he dies, the female gets off, and I tell people, man, if I gave birth to a thousand, five thousand, it'd kill me too. <laughs> so she dies after she gives birth, you know. So the tick cycle of a tick is about two to three years. And that's those are the hard body ticks. I'm not going to give the soft body ticks. That's a whole other story. But typically, it's a couple years, and they go from the egg, you know, to to the larva, to the nymph, to the uh, adult, and that's their typical life cycle. And They only eat basically one time a year, and it's just blood, you know, from kind of mammal, you know, like like us or or uh, some kind of little animal in the woods, or, or sometimes even birds on
0: occasion. Okay. Okay, and and you're you're you you quickly mentioned the uh, soft-bodied ticks. Are they the are they the problem? Are they just not not the problem? Like, what's the difference? Because we're talking about these hard-bodied tick ticks, and uh, you know, there's a few species in a, in the U.S. and there's a few species in, a, in 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 Ireland. I think that the uh, castor bean tick is the the main one that we uh, deal with Ireland, which is pretty much the same as black le- black leg tick in, in the U.S. So these are hard-bodied ticks.
1: Correct. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because the castor bean tick, uh, or the sheep tick, or, or something called a deer tick, also they look just like ours. They have that same look about it. Because when I saw a picture of that, I thought, "Oh my gosh, it looked just like ours." Uh, our our black-legged tick, or we call a deer tick, and then you got call it a western black-legged tick, you know, which is western part of the country in, in California and in, in the Pacific Coast, and the ones on the Atlantic Coast uh, are uh, the uh, the deer tick. And it looks like your castor bean tick. Pictures yeah, of yeah, remember. exactly.
0: And they're both and they're both on the both sides of the Atlantic. They're being called uh, deer tick sometimes, like a common name. You know, it sometimes uh, makes me think that you know, like in scientists, you have these lumpers and splitters. And some of them are, you know, tend to say like, oh, yeah, that's actually the same animal. And they're like, no, 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 there's like a, you know, one little tiny thing different. So they're different species, but for all intense purposes, we can treat them as the same thing. So these are all hard-bodied ticks. What's the deal with those, with the other ones, with the soft-bodied ticks?
1: The soft-bodied ticks are more apt to be in uh, warmer climates, uh, much warmer climates. Uh, and they say that a lot of them in warmer climates, let's say uh, in... Uh, Uh, in our area, let's say Arizona, if you're familiar with that, it's a very warm climate in the United States. And uh, uh, they they tell, or Colorado, in some spots of Colorado, the very mountainous, you know, the Rocky Mountains there, uh, the soft body ticks can be there, and they they may be in a, uh, uh, let's say somebody's hiking out there, and they stop at an old trapper shack that's been around for a 100 years, and they figure, hey, that's a good place. I'm gonna, you know, throw my sleeping bag in here. Well, what happens is, is the soft body ticks uh, nest in little varmint nests. Okay, let's say like maybe uh, woodchucks or something like that, uh, smaller animals, and they will nest in there. And at night, if say somebody's sleeping in there, they can sense that. They will come down from the nest and go and feed on these people in their sleep, and they'll just eat on them for about, you know, they'll suck the blood out of them for about uh, maybe half an hour, and then they'll go back up to their nest. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so that's extremely different than the regular hard body ticks like we have in, in, in most of the United States, and you have in Ireland there the, the castor bean tick it, it is this hard body tick. So they, they usually feast or they usually eat on somebody for several days at a time if they can. Not like a half hour, like the soft body ticks.
0: Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that. And and are the soft body ticks uh, uh as as problematic in terms of carrying the pathogens, Lyme disease, and, and so on, as the hard body ticks?
1: They don't carry the Lyme disease. No.
0: Oh. Okay.
1: Oh, the, they about the only ones that really get the reputation for carrying Lyme disease is your castor bean tick or our black-legged tick, which all look the same. You know. Yeah. Uh, It was really funny when I saw that here recently that I looked that up for your area. I'm thinking, man, it looks just like Arctic, you know. And it reminded me of something also that uh, years ago, our our world uh, was a lot less. uh, I mean, we didn't travel like we do nowadays. So we, I can't think of the word there, but we travel a lot more now than we did even 50 years ago, you know, around the world. And we're very movable portable people and that we're bringing more things too uh, so that could be part of the reason for the expansion of ticks into
0: right right yeah for sure for sure but that's interesting thing that you said that the soft body ticks are not calling carrying uh, lyme disease so that that means that they're not a problem you know even if they're come come down from the from the nest and feed on you and then then go back like who cares
1: they could still give you a little, uh, you know, like 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 a fever and stuff like that. Oh, okay. They, they they yeah, almost any tick can give you something. Not all of them have Lyme, of course. You know, like I was saying, but there's different diseases out there. I mean, in the states, we have obesiosis or uh which I think you have it there in in the in the Europe European uh, countries. So uh, yeah, there's uh, and you never know for sure. I tell people if they get bit well maybe we'll talk about that more later but uh yeah just, yeah go uh,
0: ahead go ahead like you know
1: i I actually i don't know if you can see this very good but <laughs> can you see this tick
0: yeah yeah it's a it's a big tick yeah
1: it's, it's a big stuff tick okay and I tell people the way you take a tick off is very important too you don't really want to grab it by the body like this you want to way down at the base here and pull it up because if you grab it by the body and pull it up, it's more apt to puke the bad stuff in you, yeah. which you want. And the sooner you get a tick off, the better also. But when you take a tick off, you know, pull it straight up like that, and then watch that that tick bite too. Uh, if it reacts really bad, if you have a, a bullseye rash, uh, that's an indication that you're going to have real problems. Uh, if it really becomes infected, if you feel achy joints, flu-like symptoms, uh, that are similar to COVID. I'm sure you guys are all aware of that too. COVID-19. Yes. I'll be glad when that's over. But anyways. <laughs> I bites.
0: bet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> with tick bites. Uh, as COVID is going to be a respiratory. Uh, issues with you. Where, where tick. our tick bites do not give any respiratory problems. So you still may have achy joints. Flu like symptoms. Feeling kind of crappy. But. Uh, you're not going to have the respiratory so that's the difference in those in those symptoms. yeah for sure Getting a physician and telling them that you got bit by a tick and in the states here we give them uh, antibiotics and I would assume they would do that there too. It's all about early treatment and, and, and early uh, uh, detection of it you know doing checks and finding that stuff out. And if you have a bad reaction, do not put that off that, that is so critical. To take care of that right away because tick-borne diseases never get better in somebody; they only progressively get worse.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so since you since you mentioned um, uh, removing ticks and all that, I have a I have a question. So, number one, what's the deal with those those nymphs or or niptic, like you said, those tiny little buggers? Because you know we all we all know, like okay, you do checks, you know, you you. Uh, ideally that's somebody else who does the check because you probably are unable to check yourself in in, in all the you know nooks and crannies let's say uh, especially that they that they like uh, you know like a, a dark moist areas but then if they're so small like what are what are the chances of you actually seeing the one and then if you happen to spot the little tiny that is that is uh, attached to your skin. Like how how on earth are you gonna remove that one? Because even if you have those forceps or any other, you know, tools that that we all familiar with for removing ticks, um, like they're, they're like bigger than the the whole damn nymph. So how how do you what you deal what you do with in that cases?
1: You do the best you can,
0: because they're so.
1: That's all you can do. You know, uh, just do the best you can and kind of watch that. That bite area, uh, and you may never have a problem with it, but you might, you know. So uh, it, it's it's all you know, uh, doing the best you can. I guess is, is, is the
0: best way. I can. Have you seen these these uh, tools that is like a little pump that you're that you're putting on the skin, like a little cylinder, and then you're pumping, and it kind of creates like a not a vacuum, obviously, but very low pressure that it meant to like pull out the tick. Have you have you used those? Have you seen these? Are there any good? Used those
1: before. Uh, I tell people that probably the number one, the best thing that you can use, is, we call them tweezers, you probably call them forceps, tiny little things like that. Mm. And you want to get those and, and grab it right at the very base. Okay? It's the best way. Uh, so it depends on the size of the tick then, too. If, if, if it's really small, you just grab whatever you can. You know, like you were saying. Uh, we have a thing called a tick key, uh, but that's a little different, but uh, the forceps, as you call them, or we call them tweezers, is probably
0: the thing. Okay, okay. Those those keys is, is like it looks like a like a little pry bar almost, right? And with a with a notch, and then you kind of try no, to remove it. No, like, you
1: grasp them like this. You would you would have two little.
0: Oh, with the tweezers. Keys.
1: The tweezers, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was th- <laughs> I was I was I was asking about these these tick keys or whatever because there's like a ton of. Uh, Tools, but I'm getting from what you're saying, like don't bother with any, you know, the next best thing. Let's just use tweezers, and that's a that's a tool for right. the job.
1: Something else you want to keep in mind too when you're taking a tick off is uh, I've seen those things that you're talking about where they kind of spin around the tick. Yeah. Uh, you here's the thing you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to tick off a tick. You don't want to make that tick mad in the process of taking him off. Usually a her, I should say a female, because uh, when you do that, they're going to be more apt to puke the bad stuff in you because they're still connected to you at that point. So you want to kind of be gentle with them as best you can to take them off. And the sooner you get them off, the better also. That's why it's so important to do daily tick checks, because if they say if you get them off within 24 hours, you know, if they're on you for 24 hours or more, you're definitely more apt to get a problem with them but if off that day you're a lot less likely to get a problem
0: hmm Make sense? yeah, yeah so the- absolutely, the better yeah, uh, yeah and, and I, I think the, there's there's another thing that there that takes their the way they breathe the the uh, I don't know how you how do you call it the um, organs that they breathe are actually on the on the top of the tick on the on the back of it if you like. So that's why you shouldn't do any stupid things like putting, you know, gel on them or putting a gasoline on them or anything like that. Because what you what is happening is what you what you just said that that tick actually starts to choke, and then it, it essentially pukes the stuff into it, right into yeah. you. Yeah, yeah.
1: You, you, like I say, be gentle to them when you take them off. And some people even save them to send them in for testing. Uh, yeah.
0: Oh, yes. Right. True
1: have that in, in Europe there too. We have numerous places here in the States where they can send them in for testing if they need to, if they have a really bad reaction. Uh, but it, it's all about doing it. The sooner the better.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, yeah and, you, and you mentioned the bullseye rush. Um, is, 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 that the, is that true that only, uh, I read somewhere there's only 20% of ticks, uh, in, only in 20% of bullseye rush cases, you actually will get the Lyme disease, meaning you can get a Lyme disease even even if you don't have a bullseye rash.
1: Right, It's not, it's not, I mean, if you have a bullseye rash, that's more than likely it's going to be a, a Lyme disease. But you could have it without a bullseye rash. That's what you mean, right? Only about, and in the state here, they say anywhere is between 20 to 40% actually have bullseye. So that's not, you can't look just for that only. Yeah. Uh, because that's not in every single one of the cases. So that's part of the problem with ticks is you have so many variations of people. react; Their reactions are so different. My little niece, uh, who was uh, like three years old or four years old, uh, she had a bunch of little circles all over her body. Her mom noticed that. And that was her telltale sign. You know, there was probably something really wrong. And she had Lyme, but did she had to take care of it right away. So some people don't have any of that. Some people ha- have it, you know, but yeah, it's uh, a real variety of uh, reactions that people have.
0: Right. Is it possible that someone will, ha- will get a bullseye rash but doesn't get the uh, Lyme disease? Or is it like when you have a bullseye rash, that's 100% you've got a Lyme disease?
1: I talked to one guy, I could hardly believe it, uh, just this past summer that, that said that. He said, man, I got bit by a tick a couple years ago had a bullseye rash, and I have had no problem since. I said, count your blessings, buddy. You are lucky. I've never even heard of that before. So that's extremely unusual, very unusual. He, and I, I could hardly believe it. I, I wasn't calling him a liar, but I'm thinking, you know, I've heard all kinds of different things in my position.
0: Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So in in, in 99.9% cases, if you got a, a bullseye rash, you're in trouble.
1: Yeah, and have a take care right away. Most of the doctors here in the States use uh, a, an antibiotic called doxycycline. Is that a European
0: name for you guys too? Yeah, probably. That's, there's there's uh, quite an overlap, but I'm not sure 100%. That's
1: but it's, it's,
0: an, it's an antibiotic treatment, so I would imagine it's the same antibiotic since the, the, the pathogens and the bacteria is the same. So Yeah. 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 So, I mean- and, and listen, and tell me, is it, uh, is it true that... Um, it takes 24 hours for tick to give you Lyme disease so as as soon as, as long as you remove the tick um, before 24 hours is up then you probably you know good to go.
1: more likely I was mentioning that a few months ago that that uh, they say a kind of a 24hour period is, is a, a, but nothing is ever set in stone you know for sure but uh, so that's why I tell people the longer it is on you, the more apt they are to give you something bad, so the quicker you get them off, again, the less likely you are. So, but a lot of attorneys have said something about a twenty-four hour period. Yeah, so you're, you're uh, right. You you probably read that, and I, I've seen that in a lot of cases.
0: Okay, okay, and listen. Uh, so, so you, you, we know. You know, roughly painted the picture right now. We have these these hard body ticks that uh, attach to you and and all that. That's happening. So we're we're talking about now a Lyme disease and maybe also other nasty stuff that I can give you. Um, how would you? And I'm curious about how it is in the United States because I know how it is in in, in Ireland, for example. How would you um describe or assess the awareness of the medical personnel of? Lyme disease and and how how to deal with that because you know I, I remember even from the from the previous episode where we talked about ticks and from my own experience when I you know showed up uh, at my doctor one day and said like well hey I, i'm I'm feeling really bad uh, and, and that was a couple of years ago I felt really bad and I thought I have a Lyme disease you know because that that was like a, uh, in, a, in, a in a height of the hunting season and you know I was going through the bushes and all that. And I, I I didn't know what is going on, and I felt like totally ignored. It was like, no, you don't have, you don't have Lyme. Did you have a bullseye rash? No. Ah, oh, no, you don't have a Lyme disease. And I was completely, you know, I I got the leaflet from the from the HSE, H- which is like Irish, you know, medical um, uh, service, and there was like, oh, you know, only if you're like in a certain part of the country, you get like so. And then I was talking to this lady in, in, uh, from the organization, uh, TikTok Ireland, which is which is an like NGO that, that raises the awareness of tick, tick bites. And, 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 he, and she said, like, yeah, there's, there's a huge problem. There's a medical specialists and even, you know, nurses and doctors there have very limited knowledge of what's going on with ticks. Like, how does it look like in the U.S.? Are, 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 are medical personnel more aware of the of, of the stuff or, or, or does people need to be kind of on, on their toes as well when it comes to that?
1: I'll say, I'll say this. They're getting better. They're, they're getting better than what they have been over the decades because the, the problems have been more prevalent now uh, and they're seeing more people. I mean, in the United States, they, there's anywhere between three to 400,000 new Lyme cases every year. That's what our CDC says. I mean that that's that's a lot. I mean to put that in perspective, that's uh, 1.5 times the number of women diagnosed with breast cancer, and six times the number of people diagnosed with HIV/AIDS. So, Lyme disease is way more than those, and those are very I hate to say popular, you know, uh, diseases. Uh, so, Lyme disease is, is is really way up there as far as a problem. So they they have got some more notoriety. And uh, so doctors are more familiar with it, uh, but I have heard people like what you're talking about there too. And, and if you know you got bit, I, I don't know. Did you know you got bit at that time when you saw? No, it? I did
0: not. You know, like I, I did not because if, if I if I knew I would I would um actually deal with that differently. But I I was just feeling like a strangely you know weak. I, I just I just didn't felt right. And and I, I, of all the things, I ended up flying to Poland when I when I got that like a uh, genetic tests from Germany. So so you, 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 you couldn't get them in Ireland. Um, and I know that in Poland we could get like the German tests that they're uh, looking for the for the pieces essentially, of the tick or the or this bacteria DNA in your blood, and that way they're detecting uh, Lyme disease. We can talk about that as well because this is not that easy to detect Lyme disease, right?
1: Especially, as I say, in the beginning, uh, let's say, say you got bit today, and you went to a doctor next week, even, and they did a test on you to try to see if you had Lyme. It's really, really hard, especially in the states or any place, uh, to find a positive test result because it's so new in your system that it hasn't got all over the place to be able to come out as a positive test. So that's a real problem because it only comes out positive if you're lucky. The testing is 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 uh, hit and miss, anyways. And let's say six months later, but then it's too late because then it's really into your into your body, and then it's really hard to get rid of. So the testing in the beginning is 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 really uh, tough to get anything positive out of it. So uh, another thing that's happening here in, in the United States is there's a, more doctors that say when somebody comes in if they know they got bit by a tick. Uh, they don't, a lot of them don't even do a, a test because it, it wouldn't be positive anyways. They just put them on doxycycline just to be safe and then they get of it. But in your case there, that, that was a little different there where you kind of felt crappy and... and
0: yeah. Know. Yeah. I don't know. I, to this point, I don't know what it was. It just went away after, after, after a while and all the tests came back negative, those, you know, fancy uh, DNA genetic tests, they came negative as well. So. Um, I don't know i like the, this antibiotic that you say uh now i think that's a uh, you know when i that's the same name we have here um so listen man so what to do really if you're because this is like a crappy situation right you're potentially have this um potentially life-changing disease and you you can't test for it you don't know whether you have it or not um you might have a problem in getting on the antibiotic treatment as well um because you know what i what I heard is like people are actually you know begging doctors so they put them on the antibiotics uh, and doctors some doctors are reluctant to do that on the other hand, antibiotics are not good for you anyway so you know you you also don't want to get on the antibiotics every single time you get bit by a tick so that's a hard not to crack like what what's what do you recommend what's your take on this
1: what happens a lot of cases is uh in the united states let's say somebody's going to a doctor and they don't uh they're not convinced that it's lyme disease or you know the, much of a tick bite they're not ha- much of a problem with it they sometimes people will go to what what we call here is like a holistic doctor hmm. uh, it's a little different than an md they do things a little more uh Homeopathic—I don't know—is that a, a term that you would use? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they do things a little different, uh, and a lot of times that will help somebody too. The big thing—I'm and I'm not a Lyme expert here. Okay? I'm more of a tick prevention. Sure, doctor. sure. That's my—that's my main focus here. But the big thing that those doctors will do is—is is, uh, really help their immune system. You know, so that your body fight it off. Uh, in different ways, maybe through supplementations, uh, food supplements. Uh, and they may put them on antibiotics for a little bit too. Certain kinds. I've even heard of people using some acupuncture. Uh, so numerous different ways that people can do it, and, and it varies from person to person even too. They'll react differently to different treatments. Yeah. So, so sometimes, if somebody has a bad case of of uh, Lyme, going to that type of different type of doctor other than your regular medical doctor is sometimes a good route to consider
0: yeah it does and you know you you said it um and 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 i appreciate it that you said that you're not 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 an expert on lyme disease uh i heard that even like lyme disease is like you know it's it's really like an umbrella term for many different diseases that's that's one thing i heard then the other thing i heard is like no actually not but the uh body relax reacts differently.
1: Lyme disease. And they actually one of the nicknames for Lyme disease is they call it the great imitator because of the symptoms. Uh, to a doctor, it could look like uh, multiple sclerosis or fibromyalgia or different things like that because of the way it reacts. And and I mean, I people have uh, had vision troubles with their eyes. Uh, they get brain fog sometimes. You know, where just you know, like you're in a fog, uh, along with the achy joints and the flu-like symptoms and and so it has numerous different uh, uh, symptoms that that varies from person to person. That's why it's so hard to uh, pin it down. You know, it's a, you're actually lucky if you knew you got bit. You know, you saw the tick and you saw the the reaction to it. Count your blessings, you know, because otherwise you get bit by those tiny little ticks and you didn't even know it, and you have these actions. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, I heard that too. I heard that too. I I think it was even in that in that in that previous episode in 55, exactly the same thing. Like if you it's it's kind of you're kind of lucky that you knew that you were bit because now you can actually react, other than you didn't even know, and you know you're six months deep and you you're chasing some you know, strange things about it. Um, and this is why I, I got so uh, worked up when I when I felt like bad because I said man, uh, I hope it's not Lyme disease. And you meant, you mentioned another interesting thing man, that um, the the uh, general immune response and you know how healthy and how good your immune system is can play a huge role because another thing I, I heard is that some people can easily fend off, a Lyme disease when they get bit once and their immune system kind of because that bacteria doesn't go away it kind of lives in your system but their but your immune system can suppress it and kind of live with it and then you know 2 years later you get bit second time and now it's too much and now it kind of you know comes back with a vengeance that that's that's what i heard i don't know if that's something that you heard as well
1: yeah, I, I definitely heard that same
0: thing there too. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering now that whether this, you know, um, spread of Lyme disease or like, you know, like we mentioned on top of the show that the Lyme disease seems to be becoming more of a problem than it used to be. Whether this is related that you know our bodies, we are just less healthy than than our parents and our grandparents were. Right? They were they were working hard, eating like not processed foods and. You know, life was tougher, but maybe the you know uh, the overall health, um, at least at the time when we were younger, was better. While while now uh, our our uh, you know immune system takes a n- 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 nose dive, and that's why it 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 might be a part of a problem, right? I
1: never thought of it that way, yeah. The, I mean, because I know that our our foods nowadays, I mean, affect everything else. I never thought of it uh, with a lime like that, but yeah, and and you you. You could be on something there too. I mean that. I mean, uh, our immune system is, is so huge, and maybe it's less active or, or not as good as it could have been. You know, had we been eating, on you know, straight foods. You know, you know, we eat so many processed foods nowadays, all over the world. That uh, that, that people are part it.
0: Sure. Listen, man. So we 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 already uh, scared our listeners uh, about take. So now. Uh, now it's your time to shine. Uh, tell me and tell us, you know, how to protect yourself from the ticks. Because obviously, the best way is to not get bit in the first place.
1: I know people, you don't know, you don't want to get bit by a tick. Never leave your house. You know? <laughs>
0: never... <laughs> that's not what I expected.
1: <laughs> I know, you know, but that's that's the case. You want to be for sure, yeah. Live in a plastic bubble, you know. Uh, get out, never enjoy nature, you know. But anyways, we do. So I tell people it's all about protecting ourselves. You know, prevention is, is, is so important. Uh, and I tell people, you know, uh, uh, what, what I use myself and what I uh, I have a lot of customers that, that use. It's a product called Permithrin.
0: Yes. And you've heard of that before, right? Oh, That's the one I was buying on eBay from the U.S. because I couldn't get it here in Ireland.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. So, anyways, yeah, they that that is the best stuff. That's the go-to product. Uh, that th- there's nothing better than permethrin, unless you stay outside your house.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: permethrin is really cool because it was developed in the '70s, and uh, it was it was made by uh, uh, for actually for four different applications. You have basically four applications for permethrin. Farmers use a special blend of it to put in their crops to keep bugs off. They have another blend of it. Uh, that they put on cattle to keep bugs off, you know, livestock. There's another uh, uh, blend of it that doctors use to keep scabies and lice off of people or if they have those problems. And then the fourth way is that they put it on uh, on your clothes. You spray it on your clothes, your gear, you know, shoes, socks. You don't put it on, on under, underpants, under, under the clothes, but your outer clothes and, and, and like I say, a, a ball cap, a hat. Uh, and the way permethrin works is it's called a contact repellent, okay? Now, you probably are familiar with uh, mosquito sprays that have DEET in them. Mm-hmm. You familiar with that? Yeah. Okay. DEET, the way DEET works is when you spray that on, the smell, the aroma, the scent that that gives off uh, to a mosquito, th- their little their little uh, uh, antennas, notice that stuff, and it tells the mosquito that there's no blood there. So then they fly off.
0: Oh, Interesting. I didn't know that.
1: So they fly away when they smell it. And they're saying
0: that DEET also is supposed to work on ticks. That's what I heard.
1: It does. It does. But it's the second best thing to permethrin. Permethrin is the best. Okay. But yeah, DEET will work on ticks. There's other things that will work too to a certain extent, but there's nothing better than permethrin. Uh, Permethrin is sprayed on the clothes and the cool thing about it is is that the little molecules in it sticks to the sticks to the fabrics, okay? And then you let it dry, you, you know, a couple hours or overnight for sure. Maybe you've already used it. And uh, it's called a contact repellent. So a tick is crawling up somebody's pants leg, and every step they take is driving their nervous system crazy. It drives them nuts. They, they can hardly stand it. And a lot of times I've even watched them, fall off my pants one time. I thought, that's really cool, you know. It probably fell off and then it died. So every step they take is is driving them crazy. So if you have a tick that crawled up to your shoulder here, I mean, it crawled up there. It didn't fall out of trees. They don't fly. They don't jump. Uh, They they are crawlers, okay? So uh, that's that's how that works. They say if a a tick is on a a permethrin-treated apparel for about uh, a minute, you know, it's eventually going to kill it. It may take it five ten minutes to kill it, but they can't take all that uh, that uh, exposure to permethrin for very long. So <laughs> it, it works really cool. So uh, uh, that's what I like, and the cool thing about it is is that it sticks to the clothes, and it even goes through the laundry several times too.
0: I heard that. I heard that. Is that right? How many times you can you can you can uh, put the clothes in the laundry before you need to uh, reapply the permethrin?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's that's. I call it vitamin P for your clothes, <laughs> 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 just to be fun, you know, vitamin P for your clothes. So anyways, I mean, I, I work with a product, and I, I can't sell it to the UK. I don't know how to do that. I'm just for the United States here. But most of the permethrin that you get on the market, like whatever you got there, is good for six weeks on your clothes or six laundering, six going to the washing machine. Okay, That's the normal standard out there. I have a product that I work with. There's, we have the only one uh, that uh, actually, you decide how long it's going to last. Okay, you can, It's a concentrate that you pour in a bottle and you mix it. All right, So uh, you can mix it to last for three weeks and three washings, or six weeks, nine weeks, 12 weeks, up to 24 weeks, up to six months if you wanted to. Uh, backpackers and, and outdoor people like that like it to last for several months so they don't have to keep reapplying every day. So that's the cool thing about it is that can go through the laundry and you don't have to keep reapplying it until you know uh, the month or whatever you figured that you uh, you know treated it or set it. for. So it's really cool. I like that part about it.
0: Yeah, I, I mean that this is this is uh, kind of in line with I what I do and 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 permethrin. Like I think it was also uh, uh, used in in military applications.
1: Absolutely, British and U.S. all military uh, 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 clothes are treated with permethrin right and it's even longer then because they, they infuse it right into the fabrics in a special way because they're trying to keep their our, our you know our military people to keep us safe uh, they're trying to keep them as safe as they can too because uh, uh, a lot of times people when they're in off in foreign lands you know they get bit by insects and uh, they sometimes they're not they're not ready for battle then because they got bit so they have uh, that Infused in their in their uh, uniforms.
0: Oh, that's in, that's interesting. One thing about permethrin that, that I think is worth mentioning that it's uh, it's not toxic for for humans, for 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 dogs, or like livestock, but it is for cats. So people who have cats, just right. Yep, cats and
1: bees. Uh, you know that make honey. Bees and, and fish. You know, you just don't want to keep away from that. But see, because uh, there's a lot of things that you can put on dogs. Uh, people ask me all the time, "Can I use it on my dog?" I said, "Well, yeah, you can, but there's so many other better things, easier things to use on it, you know." But for sure not. They have a whole makeup than a than a dog does uh, mm-hmm. that it would really harm them, their 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 body. They they can't process the Okay.
0: Supplement. So speaking about the, the dogs and pets, so how would you how would you protect your 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 pets? Maybe, maybe you know first, let's go on dogs.
1: Well, first of all, I don't have any pets. Uh, Especially, I don't have any dogs, but a lot of people will give them uh, things that they may actually even chew. Uh, let's say once a month, or once maybe every three months. And what happens was when a tick bites them, they they sense that stuff, and a lot of times the tick dies. Oh, so it works really well. Sometimes they have collars that they put on their necks to keep ticks off. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that people can use for for their dogs.
0: Okay, I had I had this uh, this uh, on my dog back in the days. I had this collar for ticks, but it like didn't really work. Maybe it was like a crappy collar. I don't know. Um,
1: I think the chewable things uh, probably work best, uh, from what I've been told, anyways. Uh, but if that, if that goes throughout their whole system, you know. So where the collar would be for the neck. Uh, and that's where most ticks will get on. They'll get on the front as they're going through in their shoulder, you know what I mean, and around mm-hmm. their face. So that, that, that could, could help. But uh, eating the chewables, then it goes through their whole system, their whole body, and when they're bit, it, then they can react to the ticks.
0: Let's go back to protecting protecting us humans uh, from ticks. Outside of uh, treating the, the, the claws with permethrin or, or um, similar uh, products, how how is, is there any you know guidance on how to dress? So, for example, I heard like you know you you put your uh, your, your pants inside your socks and stuff like that. Is is that something that that you, you would recommend?
1: Yeah, that, that's yeah. That, I don't normally do that, uh, but I've read that an awful lot. A lot of people do that. That's to keep the ticks from going up your your uh, pants. You know, by by putting your 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 pants in their socks. Yeah, and sometimes people say wearing light colored clothing, uh, you'd be able to spot a brown tick better on a white pair of pants than you could on a brown pair of pants. Obviously, you know. So clothing like that. Uh, if I were to do that, I would, uh, I would, <laughs> I would treat all those clothes anyways. Yeah, you know, that's what I do. Uh,
0: exactly, exactly. But but you know, then you then you need to treat your your socks and your shoes and all that probably as well.
1: And that's very- to treat shoes and socks i mean shoes especially because people don't realize that i mean that you're walking if you're walking through the grass that that could be their their first place you know uh, shoes and uh and, and pants for sure those are the number one uh ones to uh definitely treat for sure
0: gotcha gotcha uh you know i i also you know i was, I was making that mistake that you know uh treating like a shoes and and socks and pants and gaiters and like, okay, that's great. And then the next thing I know, you know, I'm 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 kind of crawling on the ground up to a deer. It's like, damn it, I should have treated all my, you know, all the upper, you know, all my fleece and everything else as well. Uh, so essentially, you know, if you're a hiker, then you're probably less likely to crawl through the bushes. If you're a hunter, then that's more likely that you're that you're gonna do that. So uh, I I guess, like you said, they're only in the low vegetation, right?
1: Yes, yeah. They're going to be in grass and shrubs and stuff like that. Remember, they're just a small little body. They can't uh, go up very much. Uh, and they sit on that. They have eight legs. Actually, they're born with six, and then they grow two more in their first year.
0: Oh, wow, really? Yeah, oh. so then
1: they – when they come out of their egg, they're born with six legs. And uh, then after they get their first meal, they're molting into the next series. When they come out as a nymph the next spring – they actually have grown two more legs. So okay. So
0: after molting, they develop the another set of legs.
1: So they're really part of the spider. They're part of the arachnid family. They're not insects. So that's that's what does it. Yeah. Most people think that they're insects, but they're not. They're
0: they're arachnids. They're uh- yeah 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 eight eight legs right. This is this is this is what what differentiate. Many not many people know that that that's what differentiates like a uh, bugs and insects from arachnids. They're different. They're different groups, and the number of legs is the. The one uh, to to tear them apart. Listen, uh Brian, what do you think about those clothes? Like, you can you can you can buy clothes that are you know tick repellent clothes. I think that Rhino Skin is the one of those brands, and uh, I, I'm I'm sure you you know other brands. Like, what do you think about those? Are there is it is it gimmick or does it work?
1: No, they could work too. I actually have. If you've ever looked at my website, I have all kinds of different things on my website to give people.
0: There's What's your website? Of, can you can you give us a u- URL?
1: My website is right here. The Tick Terminator. All right. The Tick Terminator.
0: It's gonna be all over. Um, obviously, I'm gonna put a link in the, in the in the show notes, so so people will will know how to follow. But you know, in case someone is listening to that and is like anxious to go to get in there, the Tick Terminator, and in, in Google, Mm-hmm. My,
1: there's a real variety of issues that I cover on there. All kinds of different things. And I I really talk about what you just talked about there. Uh, Rhino skin uh, is is basically a really tight material that uh, ticks cannot penetrate. So that would keep up too, is what rhino skin is. That's that's on my website. Uh, I also have clothes on there that you could buy. You could buy regular clothes, you know, like, well, not this shirt there, but like, like, you know, regular clothes that have already been treated with permethrin.
0: Oh, like you mentioned the, the military clothes, for example.
1: And they're, they're supposedly supposed to last for like six, 50 to 70 washings, you know, maybe, maybe the life of the clothes. Uh, I've heard, t- I've talked to people, uh, cause I work a lot with people, uh, that work at, let's say a power company, you know, and that climbs the poles, you know, to get electricity up there. Uh, and, uh, there are some of my, my big customers and, uh, I've talked to them, and they said that uh, some of those clothes last for a couple years. And then then they start to uh, wear off, you know, their effectiveness. So they get about two, three years out of them is, is what I've been told. Uh, I, I, I have one one a shirt like that uh, that I was given to. Uh, I just haven't worn it much. I like to spray it on, then I know for sure
0: what I. Oh, that was my question. Like, would you spray the 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 the, the tick protective, uh, you know, like a rhino skin or something? Would you spray that too with permethrin, or would you be comfortable enough to leave it like as, as is?
1: You could if you wanted to, uh, because permethrin is so versatile; it goes on any kind of fabric. It doesn't stain anything, uh, and it, it, it's it, it's it's one thing nice
0: about it. Yeah, I have, a, I have a one other question about permethrin because you can you can buy the, the the permethrin that is like ready to go in a in a little bottle with the you know sprayer and you just squirt all over it and it's like ready to go. But you can also buy a a concentrated one that you need to uh, dilute yourself. And and so uh, my question is first of all. Does any because you mentioned there's different types of permethrin and there there's one for cattle and one for this part of that. Does it matter? Does, does any type is good or is it like any specific type that you would recommend for you know like outdoors people like people who are listening to this podcast hunters uh, anglers hikers. And secondly, when you get the concentrate, uh, what are the you know how would you um, advise to dilute that? Uh, there are
1: a couple of different kinds of permethrin out there. And uh, you have the, the one that's already pre-mixed so there's a, that's you don't have to think about that you just shake it up and spray it on and that's good for six weeks and six washes Now the other I'm glad you brought this up the other uh, uh, permit that you're talking about that that is a concentrate it's not designed for clothes Oh it's, it's designed for cattle it, and you have probably seen it for farmers to use that's a different type of than the type that I, the company I work with is the only one that has a concentrate for clothes designed for clothes. It's EPA registered. You know uh, the other ones are. So I tell people when you're using something, make sure you're using it for the correct purpose.
0: Okay. You
1: know what I mean. So uh, we happen to have the only one that's very unique, which is uh, I, I'm very fortunate. I I'm there. You know to work with this company that that. The only one that's a concentrate designed for clothes.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And and so so what's going to happen if you're going to use the one that is not designed for clothes? Is it not going to stick to the fabric, or is it not going to work? Like what happens?
1: It'll it'll work to a certain extent, but then it, it kind of smells a little bit different too. I mean, regular permethrin is odorless. Mm. The uh, permethrin for clothes. Uh, and another thing is that it's not designed for clothes, you know. But it, it can work to a certain extent. Yeah. But I like to use exactly what's designed for the clothes.
0: And I, and I think that 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 you know European listeners they can uh there is um many websites that are called like you know my US address or my US shopping stuff like that that gives you like this virtual address in the US so you can order stuff from from shops like yours that you know you does you don't sell uh, outside. Outside U.S., but you can you can sell to this virtual address, and then that company sends it over. I, I, I know that was buying some stuff from the U.S. through these things as well. So um, so people can do that, and 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 buy that uh, that special stuff. Um, right. Listen. Um, so so is, is there anything that you would like to cover as well that I that I didn't ask you about?
1: You, one of your questions there on Permithrin There, I'm trying to think of your second question to that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, the second was like, uh, what are like, how to, uh, you know, what is the percentage? How to dilute that that concentrate?
1: Why don't I just show you one? How's that? All
0: right, okay. go for it.
1: Here's a box of it right here, and this is the way it comes. It comes with a little bottle of concentrate right here, mm-hmm. a little cup. This is the, of course, you you dump some in here, okay,
0: mm-hmm.
1: with the cup you pour this in here. And then you pour it in
0: there like that. Yeah. All right. for for people who are only listening to that, they can, you can go to YouTube to Tommy's Outdoors YouTube channel and watch this. And and other than that, uh, Brian just showing like there is a bottle with the uh, application and like a, 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 a where it, you know like a trigger and a and a, and a uh, tube, and you put the uh, concentrate into the bottle. The bottle is much larger than the concentrate bottle.
1: And th- this is the directions. Right. So if you put in one cup, it'll last for three weeks. Two cups, it'll last for six weeks, and you know, three cups, nine weeks, and then so on like that. This is this is the this is the the dilution uh, uh, direction, like you were asking about.
0: Right, dilution. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. That's right. And this is per uh, this is permethrin based uh, solution. What you're showing us now.
1: Oh yeah, this is the concentrate. This is the only concentrate in the country uh that's designed for clothes
0: all right that's important because people can look up on youtube and they see this these bottles like with the two cups bottle like a concentrate parametron where there's like a big big bottle and two and two cups and this is the one that you say this is for cattle this is not for for uh
1: right. the one you're describing is for cattle because you look at a picture on there and that's what it's got a picture of a farm on there
0: yeah yeah. And this is the one, so this is, I'm, I'm actually glad we touched on this because this is the one when you look on YouTube and even when I was looking at the, when I was trying to buy on, on eBay permethrin, there was like all over the place, like these, 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 these uh, uh, containers with two cups and, and everybody's recommending those. And, and I said like, well, I'm going to buy this ready to go. Uh uh before i buy this con- concentrate and now i'm happy i didn't because now you're telling me yeah man this is for cattle not for 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 clothes so that's it. that's a good that's a good nugget on information that that people might not know maybe mislead here's something to think about also
1: that the difference i mean uh it, it'll work yeah but i mean you said you're a hunter right yeah you're a deer hunter i am how when you go out to de- i mean i'm a deer hunter too and I want to be as odorless as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to go out there smelling, you know, like perfume. <laughs> they, they, uh, they wouldn't like that. So this is the only one that that other concentrate is going to have a, a smell to it, an odor to it.
0: Right, or, or right. Well,
1: not. When this dries, it's odorless. Regular I for clothes uh
0: is orderless listen man so now we know uh everything like is there is there is there anything is there anything else uh that people can do to protect themselves if they want to enjoy outdoors you know i appreciate you said like stay at home don't don't go out (laughs) but but you know any any other precautions uh you know provided you know you're gonna be in a in a you know tick infested area you treat your clothes. You you put your pants into your socks, and you treat your boots. And you maybe you're wearing gaiters, and you know all that stuff. Is there anything else, or or maybe you know maybe different scenario? You go in somewhere, and you didn't expect it to go there, and there you go in your sandals and your freaking short pants. Like, what is there anything you can do to you know at least minimize risk to yourself?
1: Well, other repellents. I mean, let's say you know, obviously we've already talked about permethrin being the best. Uh, some people use daily applications. Let's say they they may use uh, essential oils. Uh, that's on my website. All because on my website I'm giving people. Every, all kinds of different options here.
0: Yeah, and I, I and I thoroughly recommend that website because uh, you know when I was when I was looking looking uh, your your when when we were talking about making that podcast, I went to your website and you have all sorts of videos embedded in there and and information and all that. It's it's really like a rabbit hole. You can go in there and learn a lot from. So yeah, and,
1: you know, deep and, and different, uh, uh insect repellents will help. You know, keep ticks off. Uh, like in, in essential oils, but also you're talking about, let's say, when you're out someplace and let's say you did not uh, treat your clothes, okay? And here, when you come home, then what do you do with those clothes? Listen to this. Well, what you want to do with those clothes, you, you get in, in the house, you take them off, and you put them in your dryer on high for about 15 minutes. Not wash them first, you dry them first. That high heat for about 10, 50 minutes, will kill any ticks that happen beyond there. Wow. If you put them in a washer first, they, they'll survive that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, but damn it. Oh, I mean, but but the hot heat of a dryer will kill them. Wow. They can't stay in moisture. They need a little bit of coolness.
0: I didn't, I didn't realize that they will survive a, a, uh, a washer. Yeah. Man there's a, there's also another thing that that uh, I heard that when you um, and I, i'm I'm kind of throwing out what I heard and i'm I'm curious whether you you agree with that or 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 whether this is just a myth that um, when you're going back from let's say hunting or hiking and you uh, you know get in a car in the, in the clothes that you have on you, those sticks may just drop off from your clothes into a footwell in a car, under a seat and so on. And the next thing happened, your wife or your girlfriend or your or your son or your daughter gets in the car the next day and then they get ticked that way. Is that possible? Is that something that can happen?
1: That is possible, yeah. I have heard of some people spraying their, uh, <laughs> their, their cars. Let's say if you have cloth seats, especially... You could spray those. I mean, if if you're going to be in those areas on a on a fairly regular basis, but yeah, tick could even if you have treated clothes, uh, a tick could be on those clothes. Could in that scenario could work, you know, where they could be there and uh, they may not stay on the seat there because who knows what I don't know what ticks do, you know? Yeah, uh, especially there, but they they could stay there for a while. But you could spray those 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 uh those seats. You know, with the permethrin on there, and it's not going to hurt anything. That's for sure. It's great stuff; doesn't bother anything. That can happen.
0: Wow, I was—I didn't realize that they're so 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 tough to kill. So so, what what kills them is the is the, is is heat essentially.
1: Yeah, that 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 can kill them. Yep, the uh, heat of the dryer will. Uh, I mean, you can put them in. Uh, let's say if you pick them off, if you're not going to save them, uh, you could. Uh, Some people put them in a microwave. Oh Jesus. Uh, Christ. When my mom and dad used to do that. They had a that they would pick them off the dog. They put them in a little styrofoam cup, uh-huh. and then put them in micro, the microwave, and uh, they would kill them that way. Uh, <laughs> because they pick them off the dog, and one day they got 163 ticks off the dog in one day. Are you kidding me? No, that that's that was their record. 163 ticks.
0: Wow, were they big?
1: No, they were just regular size ticks, but. But the dogs, the woods, you know, as they're hiking and uh, happen to go through, you know, some areas are more tick infested than others. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the, the lane or the road and and the woods where they were going through, I call it a wood tick alley now uh, because there's so many ticks there. Wow. Sometimes when I'm looking for ticks, (laughs) you know, so I can do experiments with them, Mm -hmm. uh, I'll go through that that, uh, area there and pick some so I can take them home and, and uh, do experiments with them. Yeah.
0: What experiments are you doing with ticks?
1: <laughs> well, I want to see how they react to things. Oh. I have literally bought ticks in the dead of winter, like, say, in February. I can buy them from a university in, in uh, one of the states here, in Oklahoma, Oklahoma State University. They have, a, a like, a tick uh, uh, research center, and it cost me, uh, you know, about – 35 dollars to get about a dozen ticks wow. <laughs> most of it was from shipping costs you know but uh-huh. who buys ticks other than the tick terminator you got to yeah. be a little
0: crazy <laughs> <laughs> no you man brian you're really deep into that you're buying ticks in the winter to experiment on them <laughs> no but that's a proper thing that's a that's a proper thing because then at least you know Right, that's your business. So you need to know how they how they react. I'm like, have you learned anything interesting from those experiments?
1: I've learned that It's really tough to figure them out. Hmm. That sure, really tough.
0: Uh,
1: they they when I used to do experiments in the basement with my grandkids uh, several years ago, I would put them on a white carpet. You know where I could see them. You know they weren't going to get away from me. Yeah. That was in the beginning days of me learning about what I know now. I know a, a lot more now. I've spent hundreds of hours research, uh, but it was tough to figure out what what they learned or what they would do. I was trying all kinds of different. Yeah.
0: Things. Did you did you ever did you ever put a take on yourself and like purposely let it bury and uh, and and bite you? Or you never gone that far.
1: But what, what I've never done that. Let. It, but I had, had, did have one buried in my back right here my on my shoulder a number of years ago. And was, and I, I thought it was a sliver. You know, because I was underneath the house and I thought I'd gotten a, a a sliver from a from a floor joist, you know? Right. And I asked my wife, I said, Honey, could you pick off this this sliver back here, go get a needle? And she says, No, there's legs coming out of it, honey, it's a tick. <laughs> so I mean, it was buried in there where they normally don't do that. But this one, uh, I mean, we had, I eventually uh, went and showed my mom and dad because I'd never seen one like that before. And I eventually went to a doctor to get it out the proper way, and he used a tweezers. Right,
0: you know? right. So
1: we did different things, you know, like uh, fingernail polish or Vaseline or a match or different things like that that don't work. Hmm. And uh, he used the tweezers, and, and he had to kind of dig in there a little bit because it was really in there wow. and pull it out that way.
0: Right, right. So, so listen, Brian. Let's let's summarize for for people who who want to uh, you know protect themselves as much as they can. First and foremost, treat your clothes right. That's the first thing. Get a get a good quality product that is meant for for this stuff. Treat your clothes. Uh, dress properly. Um, that's one one other thing. That I that I may ask you, you know, like so, like a, sh- you know, short sleeve t-shirts. Shirt pants, all that stuff—that's a no-no.
1: You're more apt to get them there. You're more apt to get them on your skin. Uh, a lot of people recommend if you're going in tick area to wear a long sleeve, long pants.
0: Right? Can you can you treat the skin in, in any you know cattle permethrin or anything like that? <laughs>
1: oh no, no permethrin does not work on skin because your natural oils just dissipate it and it's useless after about 15, 20 minutes. Okay. So it's only good for it's not good for skin. You know, somebody may break out a little bit, it's not going to hurt them, uh, but there's never been any bad, you know, reactions, you know, where people go to hospital, <laughs> nothing ever like that. But it's not work on skin. I'm glad you brought that up. Right?
0: Yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was thinking that, that, you know, sometimes asking stupid questions is not that stupid because surely there's someone who will try to do that.
1: Oh yeah. I talk about that too.
0: So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so wear properly, treat your clothes. Uh, that's the first thing. Um, there is really no way to, like you mentioned on top of the show, you know, stay to the footpath and don't don't go through the bushes. But you know, I also understand that some of the some of the outdoor sea people they actually looking for getting into the bushes, which so that 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 advice wouldn't work for them. And and then if you're despite all these things, so so maybe maybe before I get to the point where like, you, you you finally. You know, you have one buried, but before we get there, do the checks, right? That's the next thing. Once you come back,
1: daily tech checks, absolutely, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Yep. And 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 is there is there a, a you know like a good way that you could recommend that you can do that yourself if you're like in a tent or or something, or is it like no good way of doing it and you need to you need the body or somebody?
1: I saw. Uh, I heard of somebody uh, using their phone. And taking like a little video of their phone. I mean, so that's, that's just a... I mean, uh, when they're stripped down to nothing, uh, then they can delete it, you know. Uh, but they put that all over a place where you can't really see, but you can take a video with your phone. I thought that was a pretty good idea.
0: Oh, that, that's actually a very good idea. That's a very good idea. And then and then you see, okay. And then if you don't have it, that's fine. You're good to go. And if you find one then obviously number one remove it. But what be
1: gentle you remove it, yeah.
0: Be gentle, get the tweezers, remove it. But then what? Like if you remove that that like what would you do? Would you would you wait and see? Or would you just go straight away and and get get yourself on antibiotics or what course of action then would you take?
1: I would watch that bite area and see how it reacts. I mean, not every tick is going to be a problem, all right? If it has a bad reaction, and if you start feeling bad within another couple days, that's when you should definitely go. Uh, because it, you may have you have a tick on you, take it off, and no problem at all. You know, they're not everyone it is a problem. So uh, just watch it and make sure nothing happens. If anything happens that's questionable at all, uh, go and see a doctor. And hopefully, we'll give you some some antibiotics. You know, was, I mean, if, like I said, bullseye rashes in, in in part of them, not all of them. Uh, if it reacts really bad, if you start feeling flu-like symptoms, achy joints, uh, blurry vision, brain fog, uh, different bad reactions like that, where you had nothing else but this tick bite that could have caused that, uh, that's when you should see somebody.
0: Gotcha. And you're saying it's, it's about three, four days after the bite. This is what- yeah,
1: like that, yeah. You don't want to wait three, four months. I mean, uh, just days later. Yeah, because the longer you go without, and if it's a problem, I mean, they don't get
0: better on their own. Right, right. That's an important thing. All right, Brian, listen, uh, are there any final words of wisdom you would like to leave our listeners? Uh, Words of wisdom from the Tick Terminator.
1: Looking at the website uh, for more information. A lot of, a real variety. I talked about a lot of stuff on here, but uh, there's, there's probably a few more things in there too. As a reminder,
0: you know. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. Are you are you also on social media or or is it only a website?
1: I don't do much. I have a little bit on uh, Facebook.
0: Okay. Uh, and it's also Tick Terminator on Facebook. Yep. Yeah, the
1: yeah. The, the Tick Terminator. Terminator. <laughs> you You'll see my my logo is a, is a tick in the shape of a hand grenade.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's awesome. I I actually I actually like I actually like that.
1: It's <laughs> a war out there, you know what I mean? Mm. So I tell anybody any good war general needs to know their enemy. That's why I teach people about the enemy. So this is a tick in the shape of a hand grenade.
0: This is lovely. I I, I like I like that logo. I like that logo. Are you selling those t-shirts on your website as well?
1: No, I don't. I may, maybe I
0: should. You I I should, man. I should. I, I, I made I made the t-shirts with the logo of my podcast as well. You know, I I made one just to wear, like you you wearing one, and then I put it on social media, and people start coming back to me. It's like, hey, where can I get the t-shirts? And it's like, oh, maybe I should. So definitely, you should. People people would get it, and then you know, it's... I,
1: we, in our area here, every year we have like a little uh, a festival. Uh, like some bands come and play, you know, towards the end of the summer. And it's actually called the Wood Tick Festival. Whoa! I don't know if you ever heard, there was a, another festival in the United States here years ago. It's called Woodstock. Yeah. Uh, you, you heard of Woodstock? Oh, yeah, of
0: course.
1: Okay. Anyways, so they, they, they couldn't call it Woodstock, so they called it Wood-tick, <laughs> the Wood Tick. So actually, I had one of the guys in, in one of the bands. He bought the
0: shirt practically off
1: my back. He's like, wear that shirt at the wood tick festival because it's perfect for it. You know, perfect. So perfect. I
0: will, I will <laughs> Listen, Brian, Like one more thing before before we wrap, wrap this show up. One more thing that I I, I want to ask you about. It's like a little little son of a bitch to- tick called Lone Star tick, which just scares me. Can you tell our listeners about it? Because I think that not many people know about this bugger.
1: Now, how did you hear about the Lone Star Tick? you have them there too?
0: No, we don't. Absolutely not. But I, I did hear about it, and I'm, and I'm I'm, glad we don't have them.
1: Yeah, the Lone Star Tick can actually give a disease called Alpha Gale Syndrome. Is that what you're ta- referring to? Mm-hmm. And that's where you get that, and you're allergic to red meat pretty much for the rest of your life from the Lone Star Tick. It has a little white its back, and uh, that's that. that's pretty nasty. I mean, think about it. never eating red meat again.
0: Man, uh, can you eat? A, can you eat like a chicken and duck? You can.
1: I don't have the stuff. I don't have the disease, <laughs> so I, don't, I can't say for sure. But they they have bad reactions, and and the way people find out about that is uh, they got bit by a tick, and then all of a sudden they're eating some red meat, and uh, they they start having a re- allergic reaction. Sometimes they go into anaphylactic shock even too, and they don't even know what caused this, you know, and so after a while it goes away and then a couple weeks later they eat red meat again and they go oh gosh maybe that's it you know so uh it's a hard thing to detect but yeah that's that's the lone star tick is the one that's famous for that
0: wow and and is it like for for people who you know might travel to the united states like is it is it present everywhere in the united states or is it like more like a you know texas kind of area because lone star i'm just i don't know i kind of like making that connection
1: I mean, that, that, that disease, the Alpha Gale syndrome disease, is more located in the southeastern part of the United States, where there's Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, that kind of area right there. Uh, we can have it in Michigan and, and uh, uh, New England area and up northern states. It's more in the southeastern part of the United States.
0: Gotcha. I would say that. Gotcha but i guess but i'm getting that guessing that all the standard treatment that we already discussed permethrin cloves and all that 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 will also deal with lone star ticks they're they're the same in that case in that you know
1: sometimes sometimes they use a different antibiotic uh, but the, but the doxycycline is is the, pretty much the most popular one uh, yeah uh, yeah but
0: uh, you mean you're you're talking about treatment but i mean like in in terms of prevention so like permethrin and all the clothes like rhino skin all that it's all the same ticks
1: are ticks yeah as far as hard body ticks like that go
0: Right, right right wow man brian this was very very informative and very very interesting um and you know i hope that uh first of all my u.s listeners will have a um great value from that and i'm sure that my european listeners will have a lot of value from from that uh, uh podcast as well and uh, you know like i said it's not it's not easy to buy permethrin in, in 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 ireland at least uh i had to resort from from you know ebay and stuff like that um but now they know the tick terminator and if they are making shopping in the in the us they can you know equally uh uh, shop your 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 shop and and get the stuff uh, shipped to to Europe if they wish so. So anyway, Brian, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. It was a pleasure.
1: You're welcome. I had a blast. I, I appreciate it.